thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and I'm here with a special guest for Text Driven Tuesday. We've got Parker Green with us. Hey, how are you, George? Uh, you know, in all transparency, <laughs> it's Monday, George. It's I Monday. Mean, it's supposed to be Monday. <laughs> And we know that as everybody is listening to this on Tuesday, they've already had their Monday and they can relate to what they haven't seen behind the scenes. So, um, Jay's not here. No. Uh, Got a text last night. Hey, Parker's got a uh, free day. Wanted to know if uh, we could record because you preached yesterday, Sunday. Yes. And uh, I said yes, and Larry said yes, and then like 10 seconds later, he comes back with, oh, dang, I forgot. I got a doctor's appointment. It happens, man. Those doctor's (laughs) appointments sneak up on you. So uh, here we are. Yeah. Here we are. (laughs) He had had one of those, excuse me, he had one of those weekends that uh, was a little off schedule for him, Mm -hmm. uh, preaching at another church. Right. Right. I can totally relate to, mm-hmm. like, I'm off schedule, things aren't right, different things are happening, and oh, that snuck up on me, because yeah, that happens yeah. to me almost every day. Uh, which, it doesn't matter, because he's sick today anyway, so he, yeah, wouldn't, it's he, going wouldn't, around. Have been, he wouldn't have been here anyway. Glad you mentioned that. You're going to see me leaning off to cough, grabbing uh-huh. coffee to uh, keep, the, keep the throat warm. Yeah. Um, uh, again, all transparency, this is our second take because I forgot to press the record button. Well, you know, so we had a pretty good conversation going. We had a great conversation. <laughs> I just look at it as, you know, it's the remedial training for me. You know, uh, help me get into the... Uh, I'm sitting over here uh, in Jay's seat, and I have no idea what I'm doing. But you got a baseball bat behind you. I do. That, that makes I me do. think of the Cubs. Okay. Right? <laughs> so we'll just go with that. Yeah. You've been following any of the, the baseball news that's been... Uh, not really. So... I, I almost wore my Houston Astros hat in here, but I didn't want to be um, that. Are you trying to come in antagonistic? Yeah, and that's why I didn't. But I, to be, I, I knew I had that. Also, I had a, uh, I had my Oklahoma City Thunder shirt mm, on, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know okay. what? If I wear either one of those, you're going to ask me baseball news, mm. basketball news, and um, I won't get into the Thunder. But I was like, you know, I I quit watching baseball when the Cubs won the World Series because I was like, this this is peak baseball. Yeah, like like it's, a, it's there's, over. Nothing, there's nothing else to see. Well, I mean, it's just... Uh, you they know, get to shut the whole thing down and... Everything after that is postscript. Okay. So um, <laughs> okay. I, I do watch playoffs some, uh-huh. um, but I don't keep up with the day-to-day news. Yeah. It's um, it's a good thing Jay's not here because I say it's, it's kind of boring to watch for me, but I'm glad they sped up the game a little bit. That helps. <clears throat> there we go. That hurt, didn't it? <laughs> Let's talk about the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a good sport to watch because you can do other stuff and not. Yeah, really I mean anything. it's uh, yeah relaxing. Uh, you know, Chase talked about taking a nap. <laughs> yeah, that, that's when I watch golf. Okay. I need a nap. That, that was how I grew up. Uh, we come home from church. Uh-huh. We lunch. Mm. My dad turns on the golf tournament, okay. um, and of course we're old, so there's one TV in the living room, mm-hmm. um, not multiple devices mm-hmm. throughout right. the house. And the golf tournament's on, and then he's snoring, and then you're tiptoeing <laughs> through the room because you don't want to wake him up. Okay. Um, he wasn't mean. You just respected the the time and space. Right. Um, but yeah, that was that was nap time. Okay. Baseball, though, if you go to a game, I've been to very few. Uh, you've got to be alert. 
because yeah, depending you don't on wanna, where you sit, yeah. like, you could be in danger. Uh -huh. Yeah, you don't want to get hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seen, seen too many of those crazy videos. Um, so this is, uh, this is December and, uh, we try to, we try to get, uh, the other elders into, to preaching. Um, uh, we've been, we've been having a leadership development class and, uh, some guys in the church, including you, you're not like officially like in the class, but you're, you're there. Uh, it's always good to learn, but with all the with all the head knowledge that you can get, the really the best way to get better at preaching is to actually preach. Hundred percent. You know, um, you can read you can read all the books on preaching, but if you don't actually do it, if you don't put it in the practice, it's you're just not going to improve. And, and in that class, uh, <laughs> you and Jay have talked about preach in front of your family, mm. like if if you're working on it and and practicing it because it, it is a labor. Um, you know, get get your family in front of you. It's intimidating. Uh, but it's got to be in front of people. It can't can't be just you in the shower trying to recite your sermon. Um, it it needs to be in front of people. And I don't know, Julia. Julia could correct me. I don't think I've ever preached in front of her uh, at home. You have more opportunities to preach in front of people than yeah. the lay elders do. So right. You, you yeah. get that time in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we try to get the other elders uh, in. And so you you preach two three times mm -hmm. uh, a year, and um, we in take one <laughs> in our practice conversation we were talking about um, how you go about picking what passage you're going to do because I, I know when when um, I, I'm just preaching one sermon it it's it's really hard for me to just pick one passage. Because it, there's so many, it but really it, is. It, maybe not. Uh, it, I don't know if it's harder for you in the summer when because you're not preaching through a book. We've got Dave's preaching through Acts, and and Philip is preaching through James. Um, you're you're not preaching through really a book. Is it no. more difficult to choose something in the summer, or is Christmas? I mean, Christmas is kind of a that's that's kind of a it's. I mean, there's there are many passages you can choose from, but. Yeah, the, there, there's but, a that, few but that are you're, clear, but you're you're kind of geared towards Christmas. Is it is it more difficult in the summer or the Christmas? Is it? I mean, is it easy for you to just pick something? It should be easier at Christmas because there are some very clear passages on the coming Messiah. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> for me, in the in the summer, I, I actually find that easier. When you're preaching expositionally, to your point, you want to go through a passage so you've got the context and you can build on it. Mm. Um, it's written as one text, one letter, one uh, whatever genre it is. Um, you can build on that, and your people are right there with you walking through it. So through the summer, that's harder for me mm -hmm. uh, because I find it hard uh, to go through and say, well, um, six months ago, we were here. Right, so, and I, I imagine that's uh, that's probably pretty difficult for for dave and philip maybe uh, very difficult for dave i mean he's he's I think preaching so through acts and so trying to get everybody back into the context that's yeah, yeah particularly it's a, it's a challenge yeah yeah <laughs> narrative narrative. Uh -huh. yeah um, so i i typically in the summer or you know other times of the year i typically go to psalms uh, phil johnson does that a lot he's mm -hmm. said that you know he gets invited to a lot of places yeah he's coming in he, he doesn't have context to build on uh, the context of the scripture mm -hmm. Uh, I, I do the same thing. Um, it's but at the same time, um, we 
our church gets that on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I am looking at, you know, maybe finding a shorter book that I can do in mm-hmm. the summer and, you know, knock out, you know, half a book mm-hmm. uh, for something s- shorter. Just pull out Obadiah and just preach through Obadiah. I mean, that's on the, that's on the, the list that's right on there. on the short list there. Um, but for this one, for Christmas, you know, it's, it's Advent season. Mm-hmm. And we are celebrating the very gracious, special gift, undeserved gift of Christ coming in the flesh uh, to live the life that we can't. Mm. And there are some very clear passages pointing towards that. Philip and I talked. We're like, you know, hey, we're leading into each other. How do we do this? So mm-hmm. we kind of ordered who preaches when uh, on that. Okay. And um, as it worked out, I was taking this week partially because I had planned on being on vacation mm-hmm. this week. And just I needed to get it done so I didn't have the stress of travel and then lead into a sermon. Yeah. And who doesn't like listening to Philip on Christmas? <laughs> right. I love listening <laughs> to him preach on Christmas. Yeah. So uh, I looked at it, and, and to your point, I made it harder than it needed to be. Okay. Uh, I tried to get, you know, I looked at the same passage. I've preached many of these before. It's like, I want to preach something different. How mm. do I find, not not insert the Messiah in the text, mm. but find a place that we don't preach as often. I, I feel like you uh I feel like you take some kind of pleasure in making it more difficult for yourself. You've you've preached uh Psalm one nineteen. Yes. Uh now you, I mean this when you think of Isaiah seven, you think of the the prophecy of the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Um but there's a lot more to the passage than that. There's there's more going on. And that and is so it, how I found the happy medium. It's a, <laughs> And, yeah, and, okay. and we'll read it. And to your point, yes, I've I've heard this passage of the the virgin birth before, mm-hmm. and it's not in the context. Yeah, of what's it's kind of ri- it's just kind of ripped out of the passage, right? And I think there's so much to that history of when Isaiah is prophesying. It's very relative to what's happening today, and I think I think okay. that gets lost in a lot of Advent sermons that I have preached and okay. that I've heard. Okay. All right. Well, um, we're we're uh, in Isaiah chapter seven. Uh, Parker preached Isaiah seven verses one through seventeen. So if you have a Bible, you can uh, grab that and follow along, or we'll pull it up on the screen and have you read it. And uh, I'll try to I'll try to keep up with your reading. So okay, <laughs> you got your Bible in front of you. You don't need me. I'll do my best. Okay. All right. Let's pull it up. We're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter seven verses one through seventeen. Uh, is there anything that we need to know before we uh, we get into the actual chapter? Probably. What am I missing? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you um, preached it. <laughs> no, let's. Uh, I'll just read it. Just read we'll, it. Okay. We'll jump into okay. it. Okay. All right. All right. Starting in verse one. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out and meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jacob your son, and at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria 
with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah have devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within sixty-five years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in your faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as the heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. All right. Well, uh, so there's the uh, there's the, the context in which the prophecy is announced. Um, what uh, what what do we need to know here? Well, we need to know that there's a lot going on historically, and mm-hmm. I found it particularly interesting um, tying this back to Jay's sermons on Judah. You've got a lot of political angling going on in the world, mm-hmm. a lot of alliances, a lot of warfare, mm-hmm. and you have uh, Syria, uh, which is north of Israel, the northern kingdom, um, lying between Israel and Assyria, think Nineveh. Um, they know the Assyrians are coming. So the Syrians and the northern kingdom, who to say they're ungodly would be an understatement, uh, they know they need a stronger united front against the Assyrians. And Ahaz, Judah, they are not playing. Uh, they are not going along with it. So the Assyrians and Israel say, we've we got to knock Ahaz off his throne, put our guy in there so that we can have a unified front against the Assyrians. Mm. So okay. that's, that's kind of the backdrop. Okay. All right. Well, you, uh, you I, I got to say, I, I um, noticed that you have been working on sermon delivery. So it was very noticeable, um, at least to me. So uh, I, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, that was, I, I, could, I could definitely tell that you were, you've been working on, on that. That was several days of the flu, uh, NyQuil, Advil, um, Jay had pitched, as you mentioned in that class, some preachers need an energy drink. Uh, so uh-huh. there was an energy drink okay. involved there just to kind of get me up to being able to stand. Uh-huh. So it, it was a rough morning, but okay. uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to uh, I, I pulled this up really fast um, in case anyone needed to see this map because oh, it's really, it's really, it can be difficult if you don't know where these places are. There's a lot of names, a lot of locations. Um, you've, we've, most Bibles have the 67th book, the book of maps uh, in the back and, and maybe have something similar to this. You can pull this up on the screen. Um, so we've got, uh, got Judah down here, 
So after Solomon's death, we have the the kingdoms split into two. Um, the Davidic kings are in the south uh, in Jerusalem. There's Jerusalem right there. Uh, in the northern kingdom of Israel with Samaria as the capital. And then we've got um, Syria is over here uh, with Damascus up here. And then the Assyrians. Different to, people. Uh, yeah, different people, different, different kingdom. The Assyrian Empire is here and then over off the off the map. They're over in um Iraq. Iraq, northern Iraq. Northern Iraq. Yeah. Um so that's uh that's that's kind of what's going on here is is we've got Ahaz who's king of Jerusalem. We've got Pekah, who is the uh, king of Samaria, the king of Israel, and then we have Rezin, who's the king of Syria in Damascus. And notably what you won't see on the map is you, you see the Arab tribes there, uh, Sinai Peninsula, and you know there's water on each side of that triangle. Right, uh, there, right here. Yeah, there's a, there's a nod to uh, a town that uh, Syria takes. Um, I'm sorry, the Assyrians take uh, Elath. It's at the very bottom of that, and it, it shows that Judah's getting squeezed from all sides. Mm, okay. All right. Lots of pressure there. Lots of pressure. Lots, and, lots of pressure. Um, you know, as we're looking in the world today, um, just pick your continent. Uh, seems like there, there's war mm-hmm. or posturing for right. war, and there's a lot of countries, a lot of people who feel the pressure of the world surrounding them. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you you started with an illustration from uh, more recent history, more modern history, uh, with... Um, yeah, Neville Chamberlain. Neville, Neville Chamberlain. Yeah, so um, trying to find uh, an illustration that kind of related, but most people maybe had some exposure to, at least in high school or uh, through their grandparents. Um, you know, we had World War One, the Great War, the war to end all wars, and the United Kingdom, uh, one place I read, lost over a million people. And mm. that, that's a lot uh, for a nation that size. Right. Um, and here they are, and as we can relate, they're not ready for another war. Yeah. Um, you know, they've lost a generation. So <clears throat> you go from that to here comes uh, the Germans again who were just defeated and who are not supposed to have a military. Uh, they're on the march taking over, and these politicians who know that their political fate hang on peace, uh, they're doing everything they can to not get dragged into another war. So they're running around what alliances can we make? What concessions can we make to save face and keep peace? Mm-hmm. And they do. They keep making concessions. They did. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I didn't, you know, people have mixed feelings on Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I didn't want to come into this. He he did good. He did bad. But, yeah, right. Uh, just to show that, um, I mean, like the Czech people, they they didn't get a vote, and like, oh, sorry, you're giving up your land to the Germans. Uh-huh. Uh, that that's that's not good. Yeah, uh, Sudeten land also. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, you know the the question in history was it a brilliant delay tactic because he immediately ramped up the war machine mm-hmm. in Great Britain. Yeah, um, or was it just an acknowledgement? Did he not? That, did he not trust Hitler? Uh, <laughs> hmm, I wonder. <laughs> Seems like a trustworthy individual. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, they had to acknowledge that they were way behind. Okay. So 
how did you bridge? How did you, how did you move from your opening illustration into this? Yeah. So what what the British people were faced with was they they were in the midst of hard times mm-hmm. and they were not prepared for it. So how how are we knowing that there will be hard times? Um, we can hope for Pollyanna pie in the sky. Everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that there will be hard times in life. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you and I, uh, the people in our church, you know, we may not be rushed off to war tomorrow. We pray that we aren't. Uh, but we're we're gonna we're gonna face some struggles that will shake your faith. Mm-hmm. So how do you react to that? Mm-hmm. Um, some people uh, just try and find everything on YouTube, Google. Who are the experts in the world that I can cling to? And when all else fails, none of that worked. No MD Anderson, no counseling worked. Maybe we should pray about it. Uh, that, that's kind of the angle I was taking there. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we've got um, these uh, these hard times, and in the mid- in the midst of whatever struggles we might uh, we might encounter, God is going to be faithful. Right. Yes. Not only. I try to show God's faithfulness independent of our faith mm. um, because here what we're seeing in the uh, that's text. Cer- that's, yeah, that's certainly there. Right. Yeah, you know, Ahaz was faced with a choice. Um, God's plans are sure. God, What God has decreed will happen. Mm. Uh, you can get in line and get on your knees and repent and turn in faith to Christ, or you can face his wrath and judgment that is happening. Mm-hmm. And so that's true for us too. Okay. All right, so your uh, your sermon, you had three points, uh, three certainties in adversity. Much you easier had, to kinda, write. Kind of have a yeah. kind of have a rhythm to that. Yeah, I, I had a much longer, um, uh, what is it, PNP preposition noun plural whatever it is. Um, <laughs> sorry, Jay. Um, You've let him down. Uh, well, I mean, I got it there. It's on the paper. But I, it was much longer, but I, yeah. I don't like writing those when I'm taking notes because mm-hmm. then I'm focused on what was that word, and then I miss mm-hmm. what the pastor's saying. So I was like, how can I make this more concise and right. clear? Yeah. And then I turned it into a tongue twister. Okay. I tried to stay it, say okay. it. So there we go. <laughs> but I guess it sticks. Three certainties in adversity. Okay. All right. Well, three certainties in adversity had um, arrogance, the arrogance of, of self-reliance. Uh, self-reliance. Okay. Um, you had the... I'm trying to do it by memory, even though I've got I've got your notes right here. Yeah, I'm still on cold medication, so I'm looking. Okay, uh, the, it the was plans of the, Lord the, are sure. the yeah the the plans of the Lord are sure, and then I don't remember God's I, faithfulness. I, I, never okay, fails, yeah. Yeah, God's faithfulness. Yeah, God's faithfulness never fails. Yeah, I I know where you're going. <laughs> I, I saw it in the I saw it in the text. Oh, good. That's that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> uh, I I told you last night confession. I didn't take any notes yesterday because i didn't think that we were doing a, doing a podcast so you, i was just i was just listening you're gearing up for the I was nutcracker just, I, was just, I was just listening but let's not talk about the nutcracker <laughs> hey talk to me after 10 years we won't talk we won't talk about baseball we won't talk about <laughs> the nutcracker 
<laughs> so three certainties in adversity. Uh, the arrogance of self-reliance, the plans of the Lord are sure, and God's faithfulness never fails. All right. All right. So let's uh, let's get the context of what's happening here because we, we looked at the map. There's there's King Ahaz. He's in Jerusalem. He's the king of Judah. Um, he's the Davidic king. He he is a descendant of King David. Then we have Pika. Um who sounds like a Pokemon. Yeah. I almost said that in the sermon. I almost did. (laughs) I stopped myself. That's what the podcast is for, brother. (laughs) (laughs) He's, uh, he's up in, in Samaria and Israel. And then we've got uh, resin up in Damascus in Syria. And tell us a little bit more about what's going on. Tell us a little bit about Ahaz. Yeah. So I, I I did mention the sermon and, and that was one that I almost saved, but thought better better go ahead and put in yeah i i grew up in mega church and you know you'd look at verse a couple verses here and there and you'd you'd get some context uh but looking at verse 10 and i saw and had had always seen as a kid ahaz says don't put the lord your god to test Mm -hmm. and he's like oh i'm not going to do that and i'm like man this is this is one of the good kings (laughs) and then uh, i and i see the rebuke there and Mm -hmm. it goes back to some people think and hold this view the God of the Old Testament is mean. Because mm. look at that. Here this guy is saying, I'm not going to put God to test, and mm-hmm. he gets rebuked. Right. Uh, but then you turn back and like, who is this Ahaz guy? And that's why I told folks, like, stick a old uh, copy of a bulletin, and because we're going to go back and forth, mm-hmm. because context matters. Right. Yeah, There's we, we know more about Ahaz from kings. Right. So his his king, uh, kingly reign, is is outlined there in Second in Kings 16. So we'll, we'll probably get into it a little bit, but um, this this prophecy seems, at least I, I think, comes before some of the stuff that we read about in Second Kings sixteen. Yeah, and that's when I was introducing. I was like, let's let's look at his character mm-hmm. here, and this is the character of the man that we're dealing with because I viewed his character as like, oh, he's he's contrite. He's saying, I'm not going to put the Lord your God to test. Who mm-hmm. is he? Right. Um, and then you look and see what kind of so where what, his heart so, is. So what kind of guy is this? Well, he burns his children as offerings and sacrifices to gods. Uh, is that I've been told that's healthcare uh, in America. That's what we're told. That <laughs> okay. That's just healthcare. That's yeah. like him like setting himself up to live his best life now. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. We um, this is chasing a rabbit that <laughs> he didn't bring up at all. <laughs> But it's interesting. We, you know, people like to make abortion like the sterile medical thing, right? It's a life choice. But really, it's. I mean, I, I say healthcare. It's just. I mean, I'm just being facetious. Um, but you, you, and and you look at these people like Ahaz. It says that he um, he burned his son as an offering. It literally says he made his son pass through the fire. Right. Right. Um. And we think, well, that's that was that was evil, but abortion—that's that's not the same thing. Yeah. But really, the if you if you stop and you you um, you think about why people are having abortions, it's for the same reasons that that guys like Ahaz were making their children pass through the fire. They're trying to they're trying to appease the God, um, so that He'll bless you. There, there were two items in the sermon. It was hard for me to not 
uh, spend more time on. And that, and that was one was abortion because as I prepared the sermon, I wanted to have the context of the times and talk about, we've got a new birth, mm. a new Messiah, a mm. new covenant coming. And there were a couple points and that was probably the most prominent where it's like, I, I was struggling with how much time to spend on that mm-hmm. because I didn't want to keep it so much on that. Right. And, and that, that was a struggle for me because it is exactly the same thing. It's mm-hmm. the God of, um, self-fulfillment, they're uh, offering, self-preservation. They're, they're offering the, their son to probably Molech. Yeah. Molech. And in response to that, Molech is supposed to bless them with prosperity. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely today we don't call it a god, but it's self-preservation, oh. it's self-fulfillment. I I don't have time for a, a kid. I don't have like that's going to affect my career or, you know, it, what whatever it is. Let's chase this rabbit. Have you heard of the Dinks? D-I-N-K? I have. Yeah, yeah, yes. I have. The, the dual income no kid. Look uh-huh. how great our life is. Yeah, yeah. Um, never mind God's command for us to be fruitful, mm. multiply, uh, spread. We're his image bearers. Our children, um, hard to believe when they're toddlers, but are his image bearers mm-hmm. also. Um, and marred, we, marred image yeah. bearers. <laughs> and it, it's hard for us. To, like This is our way of fulfilling his calling and purpose is to have these children. Mm-hmm. And um, no, it's not easy. Yes, it can be expensive. Yeah, um, It can take you, wait for it, George, to the Nutcracker Ballet. Um, you know, I, I I saw a video, a video, a snippet of it was sent to me, no sound, like I heard every note that was being played because I, I've, I've been to enough of them to uh-huh. know, and it's fine. I, I mean, I enjoy it now yeah. um, in small doses. Um, but the, the the children, like, but that's what we're called to, but mm. to say, hey, we need to pacify this God in Molech and, and Ahab's case because like we're not getting the crops we need. There's mm-hmm. war around us. We need. We're going out and we're going to find everything we can in the world to solve our problems, except the one that can, right? And the one that will. Uh, what's so? Um, I mean, what makes it even worse for Ahaz? I mean, he's sacrificing his child. But if we think about who Ahaz is, he's the Davidic king. Yes. And the promise is that one of David's sons are going to sit on the throne forever. Uh, Ahaz killing one of his sons is just a, a blatant disregard for the promises of, of God. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, um, I, I don't even have the words for how abominable mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Uh, so he he, caught, he makes his uh, his son pass through the fire. Um, he doesn't he doesn't follow the the law of God. You summarized it. I said he's bad. He's bad, yeah. Ahaz is one of the wicked kings, right? Yeah. And in one of the sermons, I can't remember which one it was. Uh, I'm not even trying to remember. Um, I, I did a, a study on the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. How many of these are described in, in Kings and Chronicles as did what was right in the eyes of the Lord mm-hmm. or did what was evil in mm-hmm. the eyes of the Lord? And it's it's astonishing, Yeah, the ratio there. There's Oh, yeah you know what, just a handful, mm-hmm. uh, not even a third yeah. did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Right, yeah, um, which highlights God's patience patience and mercy uh, towards Israel. Yeah, um, so Ahaz is a wicked king, um, and now he's he's faced with this, uh, this crisis, this national crisis. Yeah, this is an existential threat, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of why I tied it back to 
uh, World War II mm -hmm. uh, because for Great Britain, just coming off a war depleted, that's an existential threat for them. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so Ahaz is in this also. Yeah. So uh, Pika, king of Israel, directly to the north, um, and he's made an alliance with Rezin, the king of Damascus. Syria is maybe not superpower, but they're they're a powerful nation. They're, they've been a constant threat to, to Israel uh, for for years. Yeah, they have been in the northern kingdom in Judah. They've they've had their wars mm -hmm. uh, on and off, yeah. um, and and land goes back and forth between them. Mm -hmm. And prior to Ahaz, some of his predecessors, including Uzziah, had had expanded mm -hmm. Judah, and now he's seeing this shrink. And he's got to be thinking, "What is my legacy?" Right. Um, you've got some kings that reign for sixty years, some that don't make it, but not even 10. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. How is this going to end for me? Um, so now I, I, I've got a note in my Bible. This is around 735 BC, somewhere around there. Um, this alliance is, they want to come and take over. Take uh, and they, they, it says here in verse six that they want to set up the son of Tabil as king. And yeah, they want a puppet king. Do you know who that is? Uh, I, I started I, researching that. Yeah. Um, ultimately what they're looking for is they fear the Syrians mm -hmm. and, I think it, it goes out, so you could do a much deeper study on this. Israel, I mean, you study their history, oh my goodness. Um, they, When they split from the kingdom, they're like, we can't go to the temple in Jerusalem. We're right. setting up cow gods. <laughs> like, right. Let's go back to the desert yeah, here. Yeah, the golden calves. Yeah. Um, but they're still, you know, they were part of the tribes of Israel called out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And they're going to a foreign king to set up a puppet government in Judah to fight the Assyrians rather than turn mm. to God. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the, these three certainties. Uh, the first one is the arrogance of self-reliance. So we talked a little bit about the character of Ahaz, but now we see in this passage, particularly, um, his, his arrogance. Yeah. It, I saw this pretty clearly in, in I, so I don't think the viewers can see it. I'm, I'm using one of the preaching Bibles. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't lay out the poetry as well. Yours probably does yeah. uh, better, but you've got uh, verses. Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. How about I get to the right chapter? Flip <laughs> back over. That's got to turn, turn back over. Yeah, that's the that's the fun part about going between <laughs> verses. Um, there in chapter seven, he he gives them a prophecy. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand. So verses seven and nine. Mm -hmm. Uh, you see a chiasm, and, and Philip and I talked about this, been listening to Jim Hamilton. You're mm -hmm. probably more familiar with him than I and uh -huh. can say, but uh, I, I call him the chiasm king. Oh, yeah, yeah. find a chiasm in anything, mm -hmm. and is right 90% of the time, probably more. Um, but you see this, and you see, hey, this is what's happening to Israel. Ahaz knows, like, like their days are numbered, mm -hmm. so this, this is what's next for you. Mm -hmm. And you can see the destruction of Israel coming, and it's the irony should not be lost on him that he keeps referring to Israel, the northern kingdom, as Ephraim, which is just one of the tribes. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, they're shrinking. They're smoldering. They're nothing. He calls them a smoldering stump. He's like, mm -hmm. look, this is all that's left of them. Like, their days are numbered. Yeah. Um, so, he, uh, they, they have this um, crisis. The king of Israel, the king of Syria, they're going to come down and uh, says in verse 2, when the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Um, we're we're seeing their we're seeing their unbelief. Right. 
um, I, we, we need to remember that the biblical authors are using precise words. There's no throwaway words. Mm-hmm. So when it's introduced as when the house of David heard this, we should be thinking God has given these promises to David. All right. We should know that Israel and Syria are not going to be able to come in and just kill the king. We should know that, and Ahaz yeah, should know that. Yeah, should know that too, right. And that's, uh, I, I like the, you know, some of the commentaries called that out. That mm. um, I think I mentioned it, there's all these names of kings and kingdoms and lineage, and that's the stuff I skip mm. so many times. Yeah. But to your point, it's not in there as filler. Mm-hmm. It's in there like, who are we referring to? Right. Um, what is the lineage of Rezin? What is the lineage of Pekah? Mm-hmm. What is your lineage? Mm. Yeah. Ahaz? Um, right. Whose house are you? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and so he's he's already afraid. Um, and then Yahweh sends Isaiah to go and meet Ahaz um, at this pool and take his son with him. His son, yes. His son named a remnant shall return. Okay. Um, and he tells him not to worry. Right. And there's so many times we see this in the Old Testament where they're, Judah's like, they're on their, they're, they're done. They're encircled. And I was saying, I'm here. Mm. Be still. Yeah. Th- this, um, I mean, we'll, cu- we'll come back to verses seven and nine, this through nine and the, and the promise uh, that this won't, this won't happen. Um, but it does highlight the fact that God's being merciful to a wicked king. Yes. Like this is Ahaz didn't start out good and then turn bad, turn know. turn you know become rebellious, make, make a few bad choices. Yeah, um, he's he's bad the entire time, and he actually gets worse after I, I think after the prophecy is given. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, think I, he, I think he becomes even worse. Uh, and for God to to do this, it it reminds us that God is a compassionate, merciful God, um, even to these wicked kings. I, I didn't go there in Second Kings, but you know, after Ahaz's buddies in Assyria, destroy, yeah, well, I, th- I think, um, uh, yeah, he goes uh, to Damascus. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to Damascus and says, "Oh, look at this pagan temple mm-hmm. and altar. Let's take that back and use that as a new altar for the Lord." Yeah. So we've got this. So. God God gives these prophecies through Isaiah to Ahaz. This isn't going to happen. Um, they're they're going to they're going to be shattered within sixty five years. Right? He actually gives them a, a time frame, um, and then he graciously tells Ahaz, "Ask for a sign." Yeah, and Ahaz is like, "Nah." <laughs> I I will not do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I'm I'm with you when you read that. You're like, oh, well, that's that's good. He's not he's not going to he's not going to put God to the test. He's been putting God to the <laughs> test his entire reign. Yes, <laughs> his entire his entire uh, his entire kingdom has been putting God to the test this entire time. Yeah, and back to your earlier point, you know, he says the house of David shook. Mm. Um, he, he's God is not saying my faithfulness is to Ahaz. Ahaz is not my chosen mm. son, yeah. uh, but this is the promise I made to David. This is my people, and there is more to come. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yeah. Um, and so even when God tells him, ask for a sign, yeah, he's still, I mean, he's got this false piety, right? Like it's like this thin veneer of, of piety. To talk about the arrogance here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, God, God, I mean, he speaks and says, ask anything as deep as Sheol, as high as heaven. I, I tried to make it clear that. It says the Lord said to him. It's Isaiah mm-hmm. talking to him, right? But it's prophesying of the Lord. But the writing here makes it very clear that there's no confusion mm. from Ahaz as who he is speaking with mm-hmm. and who he's dealing with. Right. It's not like um, Moses walking into Pharaoh and who's this guy out of the uh, woods that's got a magic trick. Yeah, uh, this is very clear to Ahaz that this is God. Right speaking to him mm-hmm. and i mean when that happens you know this is a pivotal pivotal moment i don't know if if i'm way off um trying to pick up on any any language that sounds familiar i try to figure out where where that that's from just to see if there's any connections and when isaiah when god through isaiah says ask anything let it be as deep as sheol or as high as heaven um it it reminded me of um, Deuteronomy 30. I don't know if you, if any of the commentaries you you saw made this connection. I don't know if there is a connection or not. But um, in verses 11 through 14, um, Moses says, This commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us to bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Um, and it's it's Moses. It's God speaking through Moses to say the the law is not something out there that you don't know what it right. is and you you don't know how to how to obey it it's 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 as close as as your your heart yeah you're you're absolutely onto something there and uh confession time um i was struggling with time management mm-hmm. um because like i'm looking at a clock that yeah. we have in the pulpit and i'm watching it and seeing where i am in the sermon uh, trying to make sure i'm not getting bogged down yeah. on stuff um, and keeping keeping the right right pace to mm-hmm. to be true to the text in the sermon, and it hits me like I don't even know if this clock is right. You know, because sometimes it should not. be pretty close. <laughs> it may be a couple of minutes off, but it should be so, pretty close. I'm yeah. looking at that, but and you'll note in the sermon I picked up. You you stopped there at verse 14. I picked up at verse 15, mm-hmm. talking about um, this is the the curse mm-hmm. for disobedience. This right. is the blessing for yeah. obedience. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean there there is a connection. It seems there. That, it seems there's a there's a literary connection there that the law is close to him and Ahaz doesn't do it. Right, he doesn't keep the law, and now God is saying, "Ask for a sign, as high as heaven or as deep as Sheol, and I'll I'll do it to show you that I'm I'm going to be." Tr-. It's it's God telling a it's it's trying to bring him back to being faithful to right. the law. Right, it is, and that's that's why I tried to tie in. Okay, how does that apply to us? And went to the New Testament, mm. where Jesus says, "You do not have because you do not ask." Right. So, 
trying to highlight Ahaz is not being pious there. Right. Uh, he's he's being aloof. He's being arrogant mm-hmm. and yeah. saying, I don't need the blessing of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I've got this I'm under not, control. I'm not going to, I'm not going to test him. Uh, and then we'll, we'll get back into the, what, what, uh, what God says through Isaiah, but he says uh, at the end that the Lord is going to bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. And that's where we jump back to Second Kings 16. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think this prophecy happens before, I don't know how, mm-hmm. what, you, what you think. I, I, it seems like he, God tells Ahaz, the king of Assyria is going to stop uh, Pekah and Rezin. And so in response, Ahaz doesn't just believe. Mm-hmm. He says, I've got an idea. Ahaz gives the Syrians a gift, like wrapped with a bow, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, because uh, take take contemporary political motive aside, you've got two kingdoms, mm. independent kingdoms, Syria and the northern uh, kingdom of Judah or Israel, fighting for their lives against Assyria. Why? Because Assyria has them next, right? So they want an ally in Judah who doesn't come along. Judah says, no, I'm going to join that other side. Mm -hmm. And Syria says, let's go. Yeah. And you can just clean the board. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you play risk, that probably resonates. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, they're just able to swoop down and take it all. Mm -hmm. Um, They has, he, he's self-reliant. So he Mm -hmm. takes all this money out of the temple, doesn't he? Temple of the Lord. Yeah. He takes it out of the temple, sends it to Assyria and tells him, help me <laughs> which is exactly how every country and every kingdom in mm. that time operated right it was uh i'm getting attacked by someone strong let me align with someone stronger mm-hmm. and pay them off right and um, hope for the best and so we we see his arrogance um his self-reliance he's not going to god has already told him this is what's going to happen god already said that's not going to work and ahaz decides well i've got some money i'll i'll pay the i'll, I'll pay tiglath pileser to come mm-hmm. and and stop them. And then on top of that, like you were saying, after that, after Tiglath Pileser defeats Damascus, Ahaz goes up to Damascus and sees this altar. Yeah. And he sends word back to the priest, why don't you go ahead and build that and put it in front of the temple? And he starts worshiping at this this altar that he saw in Damascus, which I think there's some irony there. He's going up to this conquered nation. I'm going to worship the way that this conquered nation. Which is kind of part and parcel with <laughs> Judah and Israel. We conquered this land. Right. Now let's take these Asherah yeah. poles. <laughs> I mean, right. like we, we beat these people. Why are yeah. we doing this? Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're, we're just um, confronted with Ahaz's self-reliance and his arrogance. Right. And it's really easy. I've, I've, uh, made, I've made this point on Wednesday nights. Um, We've been looking at, at Psalm 78, and it's all about how despite all the ways God has been faithful to Israel, they keep sinning, they keep testing him. Right. And I, I, I said, it's really easy for us to look at them and shake our head and say, those dumb Israelites. And it's the same thing here with Ahaz. Like, come on, Ahaz. Like, you should know better. But we do the same things, don't we? One of the weirdest things in the New Testament to me is when you get sick, go to your elders and have your head anointed with oil. Yeah. Like nobody today would even think of that. 
<laughs> I would feel weird if somebody came up and said, hey, can you anoint my head with oil? I've got the flu. I had a New Testament professor in seminary. He said that he had he had a little uh, thing of oil that uh, that he would he would take to to sick people if they asked. Yeah, I mean, what do we do? We look at what does my insurance cover? What is my deductible? <laughs> um, right. What are the best hospitals around? I don't like this one. Uh, how many years does this doctor have treating this? And then we go through weeks and months of doing that. It's like you know, maybe maybe. Maybe I should go to the church and put that on the prayer list. Uh-huh, right. You know? <laughs> That's the last thing that we do. It is. Bef- right before you do that, you grumble that the uh, the pastor didn't know you were... Sick, yeah. You were in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, we, we're just as, we're just as self-reliant. Yeah, um, we, we tried. We often will pay lip service to God will provide all of our needs and then we we fret and that's what we, we fret over bills and yeah i brought up the well, lottery health and yeah uh-huh. i mean how many people are like oh man just need a couple extra bucks yeah. um, now you've got the sports gambling on mm-hmm. your phone that you can do yeah um hey i know these teams i can make a quick thousand bucks here yeah. and then your star player gets hurt and then you're a thousand more dollars in the hole or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be right yeah well yeah you're, you're right we we do it uh churches do it um, pastors can do it. We have all the promises laid out for us in the scriptures, and what's the cause of most of our anxiety and worry? Is that where we don't we're not we're not it's, believing? It's us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. we're still trying to we're still trying to take care of it on our own. Yeah. Okay. Um. But. Despite Ahaz's arrogance and his self-reliance. And unbelief, yeah, yeah. all that. Um, God still gives promises. Yes, he does. And he, you know, I grew up in the church where it was God sent his creation in order and man sinned. And then it's like, oh, no, well, don't worry. He's got a backup plan. Um, God God has never had a backup plan. That was mind-blowing to me. That Like, he made us knowing that we are going to sin mm-hmm. and reject him, but he loves us anyway. Yeah. Um, his plans are sure. They've always been there. And what he says is going to happen will happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was interesting reading some of the commentaries. I didn't honestly read as much as I'd like, um, but they seem to land that the 65 years, like it, it was between 64 and 65 years that the Northern kingdom was out mm. of there. Okay. Um, and I thought that was very specific and oddly specific because, mm. oh man, you can probably start rattling off names of numerologists in the Bible that look at different parts for patterns. And mm. um, people tell you like, you know, a thousand is, you know, not usually a thousand years. It's talking about a long time, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. There's tons of examples of that. Uh, but this was oddly specific. Mm. So seeing that and seeing that, you know, God, th- this to me was a different kind of prophecy Yeah. Um, in the sense that you've got a very oddly specific number there. Yeah. Um, you've got very clear prophecies um, that y- you might just go ahead and call them predictions or statements. Um, and then you've got the implicit there with like, remember who you are. 
and then this very different promise coming yeah. in a virgin birth. Okay. So the the uh, the plans of the Lord are sure, and this is where we look specifically at verses seven through nine. I had to take a little boy to the bathroom during this point, and I came back to you saying the magic word, chiasm. <laughs> <laughs> I came back and I was like, what is this now? <laughs> what am I missing in here? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so looking at it, um, yeah, I, I can see it. I, I see it in verses seven through nine. Um, hadn't, uh, some chiasms are more obvious than others. This one was, I, I didn't immediately look at it and say, oh, that's a chiasm. But yeah, I, I see it. What's the, uh, what's the point of the chiasm? Um, because chiasms, they're not just uh, to remind people a chiasm is uh, Jay uses the illustration of a sandwich. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um, it's the first verse and the last verses, they mirror each other and it moves inward until you get to the center. And the center usually is what's being highlighted. Not always, but usually. Um, so what's, uh, what's, what's being highlighted here? Is there something about the chiasm that we should be thinking about? Yeah, there, this one, three verses, it says a lot. Yeah. And we've talked about the lineage, you know, look at the lineage, look at who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're looking at the lineage of, uh, say Israel and Damascus, um, uh, we're looking at a very specific call that they are going to be destroyed. Mm. And on the other end of that, you're seeing <clears throat> who are you and which side are you going to take? Because Ahaz would know the history of the split kingdom, and he would know that uh, they, the northern kingdom immediately rejected God, um, going to their Asherah poles, putting uh, cows in a temple to worship because they felt that if they continued to worship in Jerusalem that they would be implicitly st- saying that they're subservient. Right. Um, so he knows that they're a wicked kingdom. Mm. Even, I mean, looking at it, how wicked he is, no wicked king acknowledges his own wickedness for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's being pointed to, they are going to be destroyed. Where are you going to land? Where, mm. what, what is going to be your fate here? Mm. And that's kind of towards the end of uh, the firmness of faith. Yeah. Okay. Um. Interesting. I'm looking here at my footnotes, and it looks like at the end of verse nine that the "you" there starts uh, becoming plural. Yes. So he's moving beyond just Ahaz. Uh, so he's meeting Ahaz at this um, the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. Now, I'm sure you have that memorized, but... Oddly I, specific. Yeah, <laughs> which God's telling him where to find him, yep. right? Um, but we we would know that the king's not standing by himself. Right. Like, he's not just going out for a stroll by himself. He's he's probably got a retinue around him. Always. Right? Um, so he's he's now talking not just to, to Ahaz, he's talking to... All the people with him. All of them, right? And, and I would say, and that is... Uh, Emblematic that that shows it's also all of Judah as well, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, okay, well, uh, is there anything else in verses seven through nine that we need to be picking up on? Uh, not unless we want to do a whole sermon on that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that, 
that honestly, it was a challenge with this because it, okay. it is a larger section of text. And like, you know, you, you can drill down too uh, finitely on a verse or two. Um, or in this case, uh, that was another struggle. There's so much text here. And like, what, what do you put in? What do you not put in? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, um, it is, it is interesting that there's such a specific time frame here. So people who are hearing this would many of them would be alive to to actually see it they would um i would imagine and, and then not a has no a has a has wasn't alive when uh, the northern kingdom fell it was uh hezekiah hezekiah was the one who was king then um is he is he the next king i, I don't I, think I so. forget i forget uh i want to say hezekiah didn't he say was he grandson won't be in your lifetime and he's like oh i'm glad to hear that that's babylon yeah, okay. Yeah, Babylon. Um, yeah, I'm trying to I, I don't have my uh I don't have my kings, my line of kings memorized. I need to get on that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that over Christmas break. Yes, like <laughs> we've got all week. We've got all week. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't remember um I couldn't remember if he's the if he's the next one. Yeah, it looks like he is the son of of Ahaz. Um so Hezekiah is oh, the king when the northern kingdom falls okay. but he he would have been hey you're right i'm thinking of the judah when judah falls yeah hezekiah so. uh-huh. yeah, oh, yeah yeah um so he right. he would have been probably familiar with with this and yeah. it's it, i mean it just it just bolsters it bolsters the fact that isaiah is a true prophet but it also bolsters the fact that god's word is sure that, exactly. he, that his promises actually come true which when we see that that this time frame within sixty five years, both of these kingdoms are going to be gone, it also bolsters the third point, which is where we come down to the the prophecy of this child who's going to be born. Yeah, and before we get to that, you know, the plans of the Lord being sure. It, it I wanted to go there, I didn't because I knew time wouldn't allow. But it took me back uh, to Joshua. And that, that's how I came up with the conclusion. I won't jump into that. Uh, but Joshua, I mean, famous story, goes, sees a figure and says, whose side are you on? Mm. And it's the angel of the Lord. <clears throat> and uh-huh. he, <clears throat> that's kind of where I went with that. You're not going to change the plans of the Lord. Mm. You're either going to submit to the plans of the Lord or you're going to rebel against it. Mm. And that, that's, I think, what we're seeing here. Okay. All right. So uh, third point. Third point is that uh, God's uh, faithfulness, faithfulness never fails, yeah. right? God's faithfulness never fails. So we've got um, this promise directed to Ahaz, and now we've got a promise that's directed to uh, the house of David as a whole, yes. right? Um, should, which should kind of clue us into what's being talked about here. Exactly. Uh, so what's going on here? Well, this is where we get to. This is where we get to uh, our, our Christmas Christmas theme. Yeah, here we go. Here War we go. now Christmas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So here we have the promise of the virgin birth. Okay. Um, and I, as I'm reading this <clears throat> and putting it in the historical context, this is where I go back to so many sermons where I hear this. It's like, yeah, yeah, we know there's a virgin birth. Oh, look, yeah, it was foretold. Mm-hmm. Coming at it from the angle of history. Okay. Like, this is a birth like they haven't seen. And I 
almost made it sound like um, there were unique bursts like happening all the time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> right. But there were very notable bursts that were not mm-hmm. natural. Right. And uh, it was to either older women um, who were beyond the years of giving birth, or it was to women who was well known in their culture at the time of their life that they could not have children. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, we're in a church with children present. I didn't want to go into a whole lot of detail there. Um, but, um, like, it wasn't like, oh, you know, they, it's just coincidence they haven't had a child. Mm-hmm. Like, this was not coincidence that right. they hadn't had a child. And there's time after time. And then you start to see a pattern in some of these. And it's like, why is there such a pattern? Is mm-hmm. it bad genetics? <laughs> I don't think so. I, th- I think it's God mm-hmm. uh, saying, like, I'm sending you a message here. These are the these are the, the trail clumps. And then we get to this one. Right. And there is some debate among commentators about mm-hmm. what this virgin means. Yes. Is it just a young woman uh, or is it Al- Alma? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Or is it a woman um who has not been with a man before? Mm-hmm. Um so um I, I guess the better explanation of this is like it can't simply be a young woman, otherwise you're gonna have 700 years of women saying, oh, hey, this is, yeah. <laughs> I'm a young woman, I had a baby, this is the Messiah. Right. Like you can't have that. Right. So right. It, it's got to point us to this is mm. this is a, a virgin. Okay. All right. Um, so we've got uh, verse 14, therefore the Lord, he, he asks, he tells Ahaz to choose a sign. Ahaz says no. So God's going to choose a sign for him. Yes. Um, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Um, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Yeah, so a little bit of... There's some, qu- there's, yeah. there's some, que- there's some questions around that. Um, especially as we keep going in, in Isaiah, there's some other stuff that happens. Um, so what, what, what do you, uh, what did you come across? A little bit of near far, okay. uh, revelation. Uh-huh. Um, because when we talk about, you know, what, what stood out to me was like, uh, in the context of the sermon, like this could have been three to four hours and I don't think anybody would stick around for that. <laughs> Um, so I, I found this fascinating um, because I see eating the curds and honey, and I think of land flowing with milk and honey, and I'm thinking this is a good thing. Mm. Um, it's not. Okay. Um, that was noted by almost all commentaries. Like that's that's poverty stricken. Okay. This is a child being born in poverty. Mm. Okay. Um, so as the wise men are looking for a king, and who do they go to? The king. Uh, this should point to like, no, it's not going to be a royal family. Mm. It's it's going to be a more common family. Okay. Uh, so that gets lost a little bit. Uh, some people co-mingle this um, as you're looking at the near-far revelation. And, um, you know, for folks that aren't familiar with that one prophecy, you know, particularly when you're looking at Daniel, um, you can have uh, a near-term fulfillment, but that is still pointing to a, a farther-term mm-hmm. fulfillment. Um, some people are looking at this as his temptation and Jesus's temptation and trial in the desert. Hmm. Um, I saw that in some commentaries, okay. um, and others saw it as before he's born, like the world as you know it is going to be gone. Mm. And I think that's a good, good take on it because what happened for 400 years before Christ, 
uh, there there was no king sitting on the throne in Israel. Mm. So uh, there there's a lot that can go into this, mm-hmm. um, and I intentionally wanted to stay away from that because that would bog us well, way down. Well, I, I mean, as you were uh, as you were preaching, I was I was looking at chapters eight and nine because it it all seems to to fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like, uh, and if you if if I'm off, if you saw something different, you can let me know. <laughs> but because uh, you you've been studying this, I haven't been studying. I've just been looking at it, uh, you know, while you were preaching. So um, my my thoughts may not be God's thoughts. <laughs> so he he promises this sign of the virgin bearing a child, and his name will be Emmanuel. Um, and then he he says that uh, the king of Assyria is going to come. And then it seems like um, there's a a break between seven and eight of maybe some time, and I think this may be where Ahaz hires Assyria, right. showing that he doesn't believe. And so now God gives Isaiah another prophecy, write this name on this uh, this this sign or whatever this tablet, uh, Maher Shalah Hashbaz. Yes, one of the greatest names. One in the of the Bible. greatest names. It's a fantastic name. <laughs> <laughs> you see it everywhere in America today. Um, and then he, then we we have chapter eight where it says that I went to the prophetess and she conceived and bore a son, and the Lord said to me, "Call his name Maher Shalah Hashbaz, for before the boy knows how to cry, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria." So we've got. We've got it's. I think we've got two kids that are being prophesied here, and both of them will, before they are old enough, the northern kingdoms will be gone. Right, and so I, it seems like Maher Shalah Hashbaz is a type, a, a shadow of this greater son who's going to be born in the future of of the Virgin. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that's one of those places where I was getting really bogged down mm. in like how much context mm. uh, to put in. Yeah. Uh, because where I was going with that typology also mm. is looking at Adam as a type, mm. failed. Mm-hmm. Um, David as a type, failed. All these types who were looking for that failed. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to tie that into um, us, elders. Mm. We're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, husbands, like we're, we're supposed to be the head of the household. Um, we're not perfect. That should point our families to Christ. Mm. Um, so I, I was getting really, really, really into the weeds. And how do I sort? Oh, I know. Yeah, there's a, yeah, that's uh, that can be a challenge for sure. Yeah. Um, trying to figure out what what can the congregation take in. Yeah, like they can't take in all this in one sitting. Well, I, I and I can't explain it in any, in one sitting. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I I think because we we've got this this theme of a child coming for three chapters. Um, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then we have Maher Shalah Hashbaz. I just like saying that name yes, over do. and over and over. <laughs> uh, and he's he's going to be born. And then chapter nine, there is. This child who's going to be born, who's going to, uh, he's going to be called Everlasting Father, right. Mighty God. Like that's not, that's not this. That's, that's not, not. That's not my hair shallow. No, <laughs> that's here in chapter eight. Uh, that that's Emmanuel. 
right? So it, it seems yeah. like there's typology going on with with these two these two sons. And I think it speaks to the recognition that through the Old Testament there needs to be that need to to look to test is this the one mm-hmm. that con- to to lift your eyes to heaven? Yeah, is this the one? Mm. To your point, that's not the one. David was not the one. Right. Who is the one? Mm. And now we're in hindsight, looking back, we know who is the one. Right. But there's a lot of discontent mm. today with the patriarchy. Right. Yeah. We're supposed to be looking to Christ, and um, I think this is one of those steps in there to mm. say, let's continue. We've got to continue to look and test. Mm-hmm. Um, not to bring well, I'll bring in the Bereans. We've got to test the scriptures. We've got to. What are we looking at in the world? What are we hearing? Right. Taking in. Let's go back to scripture mm-hmm. and put it to the test. Yeah. And we see that God keeps his word. Like yeah, I thought you were going to go to uh, like 52, 53 in there in Isaiah. Yeah. We can leave that out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do the, uh, the entire book here, Parker. We got time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we we see that God, God is faithful. Yes. Um, even in the midst of Ahaz's unfaithfulness. I mean, he he still keeps his word. Yeah, and I think to your point of listening to that prophecy, you're standing there. Were there men and women of faith that heard that? Hmm. I can't say, but I want to. I want to believe there were. Yeah. And for them to hear that, we see what's going on is not right, mm-hmm. but we can still rest in in God hmm. and His faithfulness. Yeah. Like he's not going to abandon his faithful ones. Mm. They saw what happened to the northern kingdom. Uh, they certainly know the history of their kings, particularly the evil ones, mm-hmm. um, and seeing their demise. But w- what will happen to those who are faithful to God? Right. He's he's laying out promises. They got to think they're doomed. They've got to think that their nation's getting wiped out. But hearing, no, he still has a promise mm. for us. Uh, that had to be a word of comfort to those who had faith. Right. Yeah, the um, I mean, as they're hearing of a child, they it it should it should take them back to the first promise of Genesis three fifteen that exactly. a child is he's still coming he's he's like Rezin and Pika and and Assyria they're they're not going to nullify this promise he's still coming they are not growing vines they are smoldering stumps yeah. Um, so keep keep waiting, keep looking for him. He's coming. Right. Um, I, I think that they would have, um, at least the remnant would have recognized he's talking about the Messiah. The Messiah is still going to come, and it took another seven hundred years for the Messiah to actually come. But um, that's when that's, we tend that's, to not like God's patience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's a reminder of uh, the life of faith, right? And we we live in a time of when when we see God's fulfillment, but we're reminded of these these people of of faith in the Old Testament and how they had to wait for hundreds of years for this to happen. They saw people born and die, and uh, they went through exile and return, and the temple was destroyed, and they're under. Uh, Assyria and Babylon and Persia and and Greece and yes. and Rome and the the faithful remnant 
are still looking. They're still they were still waiting, and God fulfilled His promise. He brought He brought Christ, uh, and if God was faithful in in that, if He was faithful in in bringing that about, even after hundreds of years, then we should be living a life of faith as we're waiting for Christ His to return. come. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we may get cancer. Mm. We'll have family members die. Um, I had an illustration I didn't use, but, um, you know, Jay and I both served in Iraq and I remember, uh, I was very fortunate. I wasn't around too many, um, uh, friends, uh, colleagues that lost their lives, mm. but every time it's like, why that guy? Right. Uh, why, I mean, that, that was a good, good kid, mm. you know, young father doing the right things. Why him? Yeah. Um, you know, young upcoming guy. And it, it always seemed like that. And that those those times in life are going to happen. Like, why did that happen to that person? I mean, we live today, and we've got plenty of people in this church that have known teenagers that have died of cancer. Like, why them? Yeah. Uh, yet we're called to faith. Like, there's that that was divine, designed by God, and He has a plan for that, and we don't know it, mm. but He calls us to be faithful to Him and to draw Him to. And we and we've got people in this church that had horrible things happen, and praise God. They responded in faith and came to him. Yeah. I mean, praise God for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what a testimony that is. I mean, I I, I rejoice for that. Right. Yep. All right. Well, you gonna shut us down? Is that is that? The uh, hey, uh, you got anything else that you want to bring out of the passage? I, Man, I, do. I, I know there's a lot of stuff that you weren't able to to bring out. Um, <laughs> so uh, here's yeah. your chance. <laughs> Uh, Dave gave me a hard time. I can't remember which summer it was, but I, I looked at the clock and I knew I was way over. Mm. And uh, I just went straight into my conclusion. And um, he was like, dude, we were flying, we were soaring, and then whoom, planes on the ground. Um, and I, I kind of felt that way this time because I, I, I was just looking at the clock. It's like, I don't know how long I've been. Yeah. I don't know when if this clock is right, if I'm supposed to start, stop. <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? Um, <clears throat> but w- what I really wanted to highlight was um, – we're coming up on Christmas, mm. and this this is a stressful time of year for more people than will admit that it is. Um, you know, family members in the past have been have lost their lives this time by one way or another. Um, some health accidents, whatever the case may be, uh, that weighs on a lot of people's hearts and minds. Uh, you have people just trying to pay bills right mm. now and still trying to meet the expectations of their family culture through, you know, we're supposed to have a happy face on and give gifts. And and you've got people with their own health concerns and, and people put on a smiling face, but, but they're struggling. Mm. And it's, it's hard to say, Hey, these people have this war going on around them. You know, there, there's war all around them. Hey, have faith. Um, but every person is in the position they are, the stress there, if they're in that position for a reason, and God has a promise, and that promise is Christ, and that promise will be fulfilled in their faith. If they're faithful and turn to Christ, uh, that, that, that's the whole point I wanted to bring across, was we want to solve these problems. We're struggling. Uh, we're kept up at night. Uh, our hearts are aching. Uh, all that is to turn us to Christ, and the only peace that we can have is in him. Mm. And, and that's really the point that I wanted to bring out in that, that this wasn't just a, a cute story of a prophet coming saying, Hey, look at this. 
shiny new object. Yeah. Uh, that that was that's not the point. Mm. Uh, the point is life is hard. Uh, everybody's life is hard, and God is using that to bring you to Him. So come to Christ. Mm. That that's all I wanted to bring out. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's a good place to shut it down. Take us home. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thanks for. Uh Thanks for being here today. I appreciate Parker. it. Thanks That's, for coming in. It was good. It was good. Uh, good conversation. Lots of uh, lots of things to think about. Next well, time, I next time I expect you to do chapter eight. I'll take a look at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Parker, for being here. Uh, thanks for joining us today. And uh, if this has been beneficial. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, we will, uh, I'm hoping to get this uploaded. <laughs> if you're seeing this, it means that I was successful. Uh, if it's Wednesday, you'll know that I had to ask Jay to do it for me. Um, so <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully this has been helpful. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have a free-for-all Friday. If not, uh, Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.